This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. Hi, I'm Liki. Hi, I'm Jen. Hi, Jen. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about toothbrushes and dental floss. And actually, I think we should talk about the industry of dentistry and the planet today. And so our entry point is plastic. Yes, absolutely. And all the plastics. And we have a special guest with us today who's not really a guest because he's part of the Carbon Almanac and doing a whole bunch of stuff behind the scenes, but he happens to be an expert in this area. So let's welcome Rob. Hi. Hi. Should we say Dr. Rob? It can be Dr. Rob, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what you do, Rob. I'm an orthodontist, uh, so I treat adults and children. So my main role is uh, straightening teeth. We also get involved with uh, tooth whitening as well. And I've been an orthodontist since 1997, so it's my 25th anniversary this year. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Congrats. So what is the biggest thing that you're noticing and what is your pet peeve in this whole thing? I suppose one of my things that worries me most is the toothbrush issue because people are changing their toothbrush on a quite a regular basis. Some people are changing their toothbrush every three months, every six months, and that's needed. So there's a need for people to keep their mouth healthy. And so that's my prime role. But uh, I feel terrible that uh, there's so many toothbrushes are made out of plastic. That's the bristles and the handles. And there are there are alternatives there. And so bamboo is one of the materials that's used a lot in toothbrushes. And I I would like to have some part in changing that. Uh, but having invested in some bamboo toothbrushes, there isn't really that much of a market for them. So people aren't necessarily buying them. So we do point it out and we mention it to our patients. And slowly people are starting to buy them. But if you buy toothbrushes, even if you buy bamboo ones, you still have to be careful because... If you want to completely get rid of plastics, sometimes the bristles are still made of plastic, even with the bamboo handles. And sometimes the the bristles are made out of animal hair as well. So that's another thing to look out for. And it's not always made that obvious in the product information. So again, at the moment, I think that the, there are companies doing these things, but until it really scales up, uh, we have a problem of supply and demand, really. I always use bamboo toothbrushes, and I also use that dental lace that you you pop the refill into a glass uh, little holder that has the the cutter for the lace. And so when I go to the dentist, I always say no thanks when they try to give me stuff at the end of the appointment because I'm getting it myself. But it's a lot more expensive. You know, when you can get a free toothbrush and dental floss from the dentist at your six-month or eight-month appointment... It's more expensive to spend $5 or whatever it is on a bamboo toothbrush and then the dental lace. And the dental lace is also, it breaks really easily. So there are definitely some areas that could be improved in the the natural replacements, I think. I, I think that if patients want to do something that they can talk to their dentist and say, why don't you provide these? And just put that bit of information inside the dentist's head to make them start thinking about, "Mm, maybe I should look and see what is there. But it comes down again to um, a supply and demand thing, that if 
uh, I, I was actually offered uh, by a company to uh, have some bamboo brushes at w- uh, one pound each, but I, I would have to buy ten thousand of them. <laughs> and store storage wise, <laughs> we could we'd have stuck for years and years if we weren't selling them. So it just it it just didn't make sense to do that. But uh, we're waiting, and I think it, it's a reasonable thing at some stage if there is a market there. But what about the the regulations? Because it's a known fact that it's made of plastic and it's not recyclable. And so, is there any lobby that works towards making it illegal? Well, one thing that is happening is that uh, Colgate, or a company in the UK at the moment, are they they do something where you can have bins, and people will put the toothbrushes into the bins, and then they're taken away and made into a park bench or something of that kind. And I think that could be played with. This park bench has been made by recycled toothbrushes and you're sitting amongst nature. That makes a lot of sense because it's reminding you of the environment at the same time. And one of the other things we've tried is to get one of these recycling bins in our practice. But uh, we were told because there were council, I think there was a council involvement with it, that uh, they'd already got one in their local library and so we couldn't have one. So again, we're in a very good place. To, you know, we could actually make something of it, see patients on a regular basis. And so again, it's um, if companies are prepared, then I'm sure if um, dentists become more aware of this issue, uh, that they can be a, a part of the solution. But it's taking time. I think that's the problem. Is there an alternative to toothbrushes? Because I saw I see ads where you know you can like some gums or something that you can just chew without having to brush your teeth. Does it work? It probably doesn't work quite so well. So it, it could be that you're taking an element of risk and any of these new niche areas uh, are often market led. So a company will release them in advance of the responsible bodies. It takes years for people to do research on things. So they keep chopping and changing to make it difficult for research to reveal whether things work or not. So uh, I, th- I think that one, one area that I quite like is moving towards toothpaste tablets. They're not really toothpaste, but they're a tablet instead of a paste. Um, the big problem with toothpastes is that often the uh, the toothpaste itself, the tube itself is made out of a combination, sometimes plastics. Try to move away from metals because the combination of metal and plastic makes them even more difficult to recycle. If you've got plastics, then rolling them up, there's some companies actually even uh, will try to design it so that 10% of the toothpaste is left in the tube that you can't get to. Because that 10% is wasted. And all of these uh, toothpastes have got microplastics in. So we're putting these microplastics in our mouth, which help to scour the surface of the enamel. But we then spit that into the water supply goes off down into the water waste and uh, of course into our rivers and streams so that's quite a worrying thing and i think that if we can move towards other forms of um, perhaps toothpaste that don't have microplastics in or uh, toothpaste tablets and that could be a good move forwards i was i was shocked to learn that not that long ago that there were microplastics right in the toothpaste and we ordered some tooth tablets, but they had to come from the UK and we're in Canada. It took forever to get this bottle, but it was a great big bottle and it's still going two years later or something. But, you know, then there's the whole question of, you know, does it work? Are you supposed to have fluoride? Like there's all those questions. And then um, we've tried the tooth, like the paste that you can buy in the health food store that's made with clay and things like that. 
and uh, and that works. But it, again, it's more expensive than the ones that are that are mass produced that aren't good for the planet. Right? It's the same old issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think the, the they're small companies very often, so their margins are much more difficult to to achieve. And as a result, they're trying to work around that by creating a subscription model for their business. But I contacted um, a tablet company a few weeks back, uh, just interested to find out what they offered to the dental profession, dental professionals, dental practices. And I just haven't had a response back. And I've had that happen a few times over the years. People just don't respond. So I think they're clearly wanting to go direct to the consumer because that's where they feel the proper profit is for them. Yeah, but also because um, there are small companies and there are startups. And so this is something I see a lot that small companies, the founders spend a lot of time, energy on developing their product and don't really take care of sales. There's different sales channels they can go to. So I don't think it's because they are not very interested. Maybe it's because they are not very well organized as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, and some of the earlier tablets didn't have fluoride in at all, and I always, I always feel that fluoride is a good thing to have in a, a tooth cleaning product. And um, if people are worried about fluoride, I often say, well, do you drink tea? Because most people do. The average tea leaf contains a thousand parts per million fluoride, just the same as toothpaste. So there's a huge amount of fluoride in it. It does favorably suck up fluoride. And although that isn't available fluoride to your mouth when you drink tea, there is a reasonable amount in terms of the volume you're drinking. So you could probably end up taking in more fluoride per year by drinking tea than you would by using toothpaste. <laughs> there you go. You learn something every day. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. But since you mentioned that there's small plastic, like small pl pieces of plastic in toothpaste, I looked at all my toothpaste tube and none of them mentioned that. So can you confirm that it's an old toothpaste that we use? There's usually something like um, polyethylene or something of those those sorts of uh, words that are used. So it'll be a chemical name that's used. Oh, okay. So they won't say microplastics. Um, but it'll be the word if you see the word poly and uh, ethyl, those are telling you that there's some kind of plastic ingredient in there. But that's that's really bad because there's no way that microplastic can be recycled. It's a little like uh, people use the term citrate instead of citric acid because they don't want they want to hide the idea that there's an acid in something. So you you kind of just use your terminology. It's there, but yeah, you've got to know what you're looking for. So what can the regular person do? <laughs> um, is, is there a better way to talk to your, your dental provider about this uh, as a patient? Um, like what, what can each person listening to this take action on? I think there are different levels. Uh, us as patients, and I talk about me cleaning my teeth, I can make a move to using toothpaste tablets. If I do that, then I will use uh, one with fluoride in it. Um, there are uh, flosses that uh, are made out of corn starch and corn fiber, so those are, are biodegradable. And uh, toothbrushes that we can get which don't uh, don't use plastic, or, or at least if you, you can move in the right direction and not use as much plastic. Talking to your dentist or your orthodontist about it, and it Again, we go back to the carbon almanac and the children's almanac and how uh, we want to encourage children to talk to their parents. And if, if children are um, uh, thinking about this, then 
you know, they can talk to their parents and that helps with the family. And this can all be raised with the orthodontist as well. So it is a conversation, isn't it? The dentists, I think, have to make a decision on how they use plastics. And so for me, it's trying to use paper cups. So um, in some countries, you're, you can autoclave your uh, glasses between patients, but that's discouraged in our country. So we use paper cups rather than plastic ones. Think about how many patients we see a year. That's a lot of paper cups. Uh, there are some plastics that we have to use to protect ourselves. But if we're constantly on the lookout to try and work out ways, um, ways around things, selling products like these things that patients might want, and the industry itself, I think if the industry can start to provide products so that small companies can have larger amounts bought from these companies and then they can sell on so that they're using, I think often it's easier for a company if they have a big purchase from one company and then that company that's selling a lot of other products can then sell them on to us, probably makes it easier. So bigger companies need to have an awareness, I think. When I worked in the hospital system for 23 years, um, when I first started, everything was reusable. You know, we had, we didn't have plastic kidney basins. They were stainless steel and we had drape cloths and we had uh, cloth gowns with the tight cuffs and everything got autoclaved or reused or washed. And, and we've really gone away from that. And I really hope we can start going back to that because those things worked as well. And it gave people jobs in the washing and the <laughs> sterilizing department. Um, yeah. And our other thing is the aligner industry that's taking off. Um, I talk, I've talked to my colleagues about this. And I think just before lockdown, actually, I looked at the figures for uh, one of the big aligner companies uh, who were, I suppose, in their literature saying, you know, we've treated 8 million patients. And then I looked at that and I thought, well, that's how many aligners? The average is 25 aligners per arch. That's 50 aligners. That's uh, 8 million a year. That's one centimetre. And I worked out how long the aligners would go. And I think it was somewhere like from Birmingham in the UK to North Africa every year in an, <laughs> these aligners. <laughs> and, and of course, they're, they're non-recyclable because you use multiple types of plastic to create them. And so at the moment, the industry is trying to create aligners that can be recycled um, or ways of sending them back so that they can be treated. And potentially reused for other forms. But at the moment, the aligner, the aligner industry is really taking off because patterns have, uh, have changed. And so it's becoming easier for people to make their own aligners in-house and provide them to patients. So it's going up rather than down. And I think there are other ways of treating patients where you're not having to use something that's not recyclable. So uh, I think aligners are the right thing for some people. So we use them, but uh, it's just I don't want to just go down the road of converting my practice to just using something that's non-recyclable. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable about that. It's good to hear someone in the industry talking about this. I have not heard this so far, so I'm very happy to hear. <laughs> well, we, we, I mean, in dentistry, it probably, uh, and these figures probably relate to the UK, is about 3% of the carbon footprint of the overall medicine so i think there's lots that can be done in, in medicine in general oh yes it's something to be worked at and that's for sure yes but you need to choose what um what goes first you know safety or environment and i think in the medical field it's very often is patient safety first 
right yeah well you're you're absolutely right and that's i think one good way that we could use our governing bodies in a proactive way so in the uk for example we have the care quality commission and they can come around to your practice and assess you and they can literally just turn up if they want and they'll look through and really do a critique and this is put on a website so you can be really criticized for what you're doing and there isn't anywhere in the CQC's inspections that really looks at how green you are or how green you are as a practice or how sustainable you are. And it, I think it would be quite a nice thing for the CQC to develop is, a, is actually a section of the examination to see where you are on that. What auditing are you doing on the products that you're using? There's a whole host of things that could be done to improve the regulation of the industry. And again, it would all make people just more aware that uh, this is an area that it does need to be looked at and is important. I used to wear contact lenses and they're dailies. And I've been using it since I was 17, I think. And it just comes in a small thing, plastic thing. And then you, there's a pill and I have two eyes. So obviously I'm using two every single day. So that's 60 a month. And I very quickly realized that it was not good for the environment. And even though you know, some people think, and I used to think that plastic can be recycled 100%, but even though it could be recycled, I just something didn't come up right. So I decided to switch from my dailies to monthly now. Yeah, I have monthly ones too, and, I, and I, they last a whole lot longer than that because I wear my glasses a lot. <laughs> Okay, I did the same thing, but I didn't dare to <laughs> try that. <laughs> I but you I was know, the only one. No, I, I I write down the dates, I wear them, and then I count up a month, and that's good. So they last probably about five months. But <laughs> <laughs> I do exactly the same thing. <laughs> what the heck? Mm. I was thinking as I was taking a one of those rapid COVID tests the other day because I was going into a healthcare facility to visit. Um, a congregation member, I was looking at the plastic that was in one of those kits. And I don't know if the kits are all the same, but you know, they come with all this stuff, including some little holder thing that's hard plastic that's got all these little holes in it. And you only need one, <laughs> one hole to do this thing uh, for this test. And I don't know if anyone else experienced the horror <laughs> of seeing this kit that was then just thrown right out. I mean, I get it. We have to do this. But at the same time, oh, my goodness, I wonder who was inventing this and whether they were thinking about, you know, everyone getting these kits and using them multiple times a week. Some people do. I've only ever had one because I um, ha haven't worried about about testing myself in other contexts other than going into healthcare facilities. But yeah, it was an interesting experience. And I sat there just looking at all this stuff going into the garbage and thinking, oh, wow, there's so much work we have to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, it, it's funny how people were trying to, I think there was a, certainly this thought about plastics before COVID and then suddenly COVID hit and everybody's just covering themselves with plastic and <laughs> just though it's thrown out the window a bit. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a struggle, isn't it? Yeah, I think COVID made us live in an ocean of plastic. You know, just think of all the masks that we use every day. And that's, there's a lot of plastic in, in the masks. Yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately, my wife bought lots of these launderable 
um, masks. And so we had a rack that was put by our door so that if we forgot, we could just pick one up as we were going out. And uh, yeah, I quite like that idea. But we, we still have to give people plastic masks and people don't bring their own to the practice. So we're giving out these masks and they're more of a problem. So, but again, it's not that easy to find these things and um, find plastic free ones. But because you care, you're doing things differently. Yeah, I think it's always about moving in the right direction, isn't it? It's uh, You can't always completely clear the whole business of it. But if you're, if you're trying, then it's the first step, isn't it? It's like cycling to work. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I have my bike and I put it outside the practice and we're just, we're just having a refurb done at the moment and I've made sure that we're having a bike rack put into the car park. It's only a small car park, but we'll have more space when we're finished. And so, again, that's another part of, you know, people can put their bikes in there and see that this is another way of transporting yourself around Birmingham. Because we have a lot going on in Birmingham to try and encourage more cycling. Uh, I realise that it's not possible for everybody, but again, it's just trying to encourage that thought, isn't it? That's a great idea. I have a little old electric car and um, I can get to work, but then I have to plug it into the wall <laughs> and trickle charge it before I am able to drive home again because <laughs> otherwise I won't get home and range anxiety is real <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah it works yeah well it's for me it's a slightly different range anxiety because it's a very steep uphill home <laughs> so, <laughs> it's the anxiety of whether I'm going to make it up the hill today <laughs> You get your workout at the same time as getting to work. That's excellent. <laughs> uh, that's good. Well, it's been great having this conversation. And uh, thank you so much for your insight and your information. Uh, I've learned a few things. <laughs> well, good. I hope it was of help. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day, with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, to join the movement, and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again, as together we can change the world.